a bill in Olympia right now would require farmers here in Washington State to report slaves. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. This is The Farming Show, KGMI News Talk 790. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop. Our sponsors, Laurel Farm and Western Supply, Farmers Equipment Company, and McAvoy Oil. We appreciate their support. Making it possible to talk about issues that are important to farming here in Whatcom County and in Skagit County and across Washington State. Of course, this show also doubling as the Save Family Farming Podcast. Uh, that's where I uh, call call things home. You know, that's my, that's where I work now. Save Family Farming. That's where I do farming advocacy. Even though, really, I've been advocating for farmers for a whole lot longer than I've been there. It's just a personal passion of mine, and this. Uh, my friends, is getting out of hand, what we're hearing in Olympia. This is getting ridiculous. Literally, not making up the headline. I just read you that headline verbatim, actually, from Capitol Press. I'll read you the first line of the story. Washington dairy farmers and fruit growers would have to report to retailers whether they use slaves under a, a bill that's been endorsed this week, it was uh, Thursday, by Democrats on the State Senate Labor and Commerce Committee. It was brought forward by Washington State Senator Rebecca Saldana. Yes, saying that, that, that farms are using, that, that's the accusation here, that farmers are using slaves, let's see, fl- slaves are involved in human trafficking or peonage. Another technical term for a, a form of servitude. Of course, the, of course, there are no. I, th- I think everyone knows there are no slaves being used on farms in Washington State or anywhere in this country. But that's exactly the point. They're trying to give farming a black eye. They're trying to make all kinds of accusations, and there are other things tucked into this bill as well uh, that would they would force farmers to report. And it's all part of this back and forth um, fight over the labor crisis here in Washington State, which um, we were going to be talking about here on the program, uh, just how ridiculous some of these activists have become, uh, particularly community-to-community development based out of, (laughs) right, I was going to say here because this program is emanating from Bellingham. Uh, but I'm up here in Linden, so I, I guess I'm a little bit safer up here. But uh, Bellingham's own community to community telling a lot of false uh, things to a uh, uh, um, House uh, committee on, on a bill recently down in Olympia. We're trying to to show people just all the false things that are being said. Um, including them denying that there's a farm worker shortage. Never mind that uh, it's been reported on by many media outlets. It's been reported on by government agencies and studied. It's well agreed. Obviously, farmers have been on the front lines of this and been experiencing this now for several years here in Washington State. The worsening labor shortage cannot... Rosella Mosby, who we've had on this program... um, 
talking about disking under uh, thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of crops because they don't have the workers to pick them. There is a labor shortage, and the, these activists even denying that that is the case. That's how loony this is getting, and I thought that's how crazy it was going to be until just before we, we did this program, um, put this program together yesterday, uh, the story came out that this was going on in Olympia, made me aware that uh, now farmers are uh, being forced to report slaves. How awful can this get? Scott Dilley is joining me right now. He's been involved in labor issues for a long time here in Washington State. Uh, former government relations at Washington Farm Bureau, now labor policy expert for the Washington State Dairy Federation. He's also their communications director. Scott, have you ever seen anything quite like this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it, it's been uh, quite an intense week uh, in Olympia this week uh, with these different bills that have been working their way through the process. So this slavery bill, for lack of a better term, I mean, it's, it's obviously designed to be an insult to farming in Washington State and, and understanding some of the politics behind it. It's apparently kind of a vindictive shot across the bow from, a, uh, from the senator that's proposed it. Sounds like she's frustrated that her other measure that she was working on that I was planning on talking about uh, this morning, even before this all came to light yesterday, um, this is just getting more and more crazy from her, uh, more and more crazy from other people. This obviously, I don't know, does this go anywhere? What's what's going on with this slavery thing? Well, I can't speak to Senator Saldana's uh, intentions. I, we'd have to ask her. But um, what I can say is the ag community showed up in force when this bill was put up for a public hearing uh, in the Senate uh, Labor and Commerce uh, Committee because it really is a poke in the eye to agriculture. It's a poke in the eye to Washington retailers and uh, and food manufacturers. And uh, it's, it, you know, it came out of a study on, on human trafficking and um, it's it, it just it, it was alarming to, you know, read the bill and, and read the, the language that's actually there and to see that agriculture was being targeted by this bill. There that's are people, though, in this state who believe whether it's around the H-2A program or for other reasons, that they believe that farm labor right now basically is amounting to human trafficking or that there is farm trafficking, or excuse me, human trafficking going on at some level with farm labor in Washington state. These radical activists have taken this to such an extreme level, it's hard to know what to say. Well, I think when we look at, at figures and talk about human trafficking, um, you know, when, when you look at law enforcement numbers and other things, most of the human trafficking and human, human trafficking is wrong, right? We need to say up front, it's wrong, it's illegal, it's immoral, um, it shouldn't be happening, but most of that happens in, in the sex trade. So this is, again, this is a bill then that is targeting agriculture and yet it's not that's not where the issue really is so it's it, it was trying to go after uh folks um you know for something that that isn't happening in agriculture and really it needs to be directed 
Um, you know, if we want to make a difference for human trafficking, then let's talk about it in terms of law enforcement. How do we how, how do we go with that angle and you know well, trying to to track but, down? But we don't have to do approach. that because if this was real, but, we would already be talking about this. If this was really happening, yeah. we, people would be calling the cops, and and there you know the FBI would be out, and we'd be dealing with this. But it's not real. It's fake news that these people are cranking out. Sorry to use a terrible popularized buzzword uh by our current commander in chief <laughs> but this is not real and and that makes it that much more obvious that it's being used as a a political weapon here by people who are coming from a, an entirely different frame of reference i mean i don't even know what planet some of these people are on when they look at farming in washington state and think it is uh, and they talk about it and and demonize it as some of the you know the most disgusting thing you can think of anywhere it doesn't jive with reality and i think this is getting so ridiculous that i think the general public is starting to say wait a second um this just doesn't doesn't add up doesn't jive with reality uh, I cannot believe that. No. I mean, you know, maybe the, the public could believe that. Well, farmers weren't doing, you know, providing the right, you know, this protection or that protection, which have been the complaints of a few years ago. But when it gets to the point of accusations of slavery, people are probably saying, "Come on, are, are you serious?" Well, and I, yeah, I think that's um, you know, people should be asking those those kinds of questions and, and having that kind of response because it's you know, bills like this um, don't engender a lot of of trust between uh, the industry and, and other stakeholders. What we want to do is build trust and good relationships. And when we have bills that accuse the ag industry and other businesses in Washington state uh, like this, um, all that does is it, it tears down the trust. And, and other thing I was going to mention, there are real issues of human trafficking out there, not in farming, as you also mentioned, Scott, we should be focusing our efforts there because it is wrong, it is real, and this is all this is almost a slap in the face to the people actually dealing with real human trafficking to try to use this as some kind of political weapon uh, against farming here in Washington state. We're talking with Scott Dilley. He is a labor policy expert and communications director with the Washington state dairy federation with us here on the farming show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. So this came out really kind of in some ways as a vindictive response, a slap back from a, a, a Senator, a Senator Rebecca Saldana, Democrat uh, from Seattle area. Um, because she wasn't getting where she wanted to, and a lot of people were calling out the, well, frankly, the baloney um, that they were using to promote a, a different bill on on the H-2A program. We've talked a lot about H-2A here on on this show. Uh, the, the guest worker program uh, is the one that's being targeted by activists out of Bellingham here, community to community development. They want the, the guest worker program to go away um, because their goal is to grow farm worker unions and and they feel that that uh, program stands in the way of that so they have gone about demonizing the program coming up with anything that they can think of and twist and distort and in some cases flat out lie about to make it sound like this program is some sort of human trafficking here we are again on this issue talk about this this h2a bill where these folks are have been in down in olympia this is for the past month or so calling for farmers to pay exorbitant fees for a new layer of bureaucracy to oversee something that isn't even a problem. 
Yeah, this is a bill that uh, was sponsored by our state employment security department, um, and it has to do with charging fees to users of the H-2A program. Uh, now, we have to keep in mind that, that users of the H-2A program already pay fees to the federal government. And the federal government sends some money to uh, to state governments to help implement that program. And at issue here is that our state government isn't getting a lot of money from the federal government uh, for the, the services it provides. So they turned to farmers and said, hey, you need to pay a second fee for the same service. And that's what we're objecting to with this bill. Uh, you know, people shouldn't have to pay twice for the same thing. And uh, the ag community in Olympia has been unified in opposing fees um, or any mention of fees in, in this H-2A bill. Uh, we think that's the, the wrong approach uh, to do this. And, um, you know, instead, we would like to have a chance to go to the federal government and uh, work with them to get proper compensation through the right channels um, for, for, you know, dealing with this program. Um, but, uh, the, this bill, the way it was drafted originally is, is not the way to go. And even the way that it passed the labor committees, it's still not the way to go because it, it includes a mechanism for fees in it. Now, so in, we're, in, we're working on changing it. In terms of process, this bill is still alive from what I understand, scheduled for a public yeah. hearing this coming Monday. Uh, yes. In the Senate the, uh, Committee on Ways and Means. So what's going on with this? What's going to happen here? Yeah, so the, the House bill uh, did not move out of the House Committee. The Senate bill moved out of the Senate Labor Committee. You're correct. It's going to Senate Ways and Means, and that's the Fiscal Committee. So they're going to look at the fiscal impacts of the bill and try to determine um, where to go from from there. Uh, we're still having conversations with different stakeholders on this bill, and um, it remains to be seen whether – uh, we can come to some kind of, of agreement on this um, or not. The you know only time will tell. Um, but I do know that the ag community uh, is you know we we don't want to see any fees in the bill, and so um, it could be something where you know we the bill perhaps in a it could set up a, a work group to look at the issue, uh, maybe a, a new office of some kind to to do some work. But uh, we want to make sure that we're not having to pay. Uh, you know, fees, you know, basically two fees for, for the same service. And why spend money at the state level to do something that the Fed should be doing if there are issues from what it looks like to me? The Fed, and I have not seen any actual substantiation of any problems with the oversight, but if there are, then that should be a federal issue to solve. And it, that why they're basically they'd be creating a whole new office here in in Washington state to kind of duplicate what the feds are already supposed to be doing yeah except that the federal government the department of labor um is essentially telling that well our employment security department or state workforce agencies across the the country that there are certain components of this program that they need to help oversee um, so, you know, th there is a state nexus, but again, the state should be getting appropriate funding from the federal government for that. Uh, you know, the state should not have to go out and, and ask 
our own farmers to pay us a second time for the service they've already paid you know, for to the federal government. Well, and what that does so. then is put Washington farmers at a competitive disadvantage to the rest of the country. Um, Correct. This whole labor situation as a whole puts American farmers, no matter which state they're from, at a competitive disadvantage to just about anywhere in the world, um, which, okay, fine. This isn't just farmers, though, complaining about... Um, not you know making as much money as other people. No, th- this is not the case at all. In fact, this is a question of survival of farming um, around the country for sure in, in a lot of different ways and in, in, in places. But I- I'm thinking, and, and this is what we're focused on here at Safe Family Farming, the, f- the future of farming here in Washington State, um, if we cannot compete as far as labor costs or all the other costs that our uh, regime of rules and regulations, and et cetera, et cetera or we can you know, debate on the merits of each and every one of them, but if the whole adds up to something that's unsustainable uh, to have farming here in Washington State, that farming goes away. It might go to another part of this country, but more than likely it goes overseas. And that is bad for consumers, number one, because they're getting food that's produced by who knows who, where, under what conditions. It's not very clear. We've heard a lot of problems about food safety, uh, environmental concerns, labor issues with food that's brought in from other countries, including Mexico, China, etc. cetera. Uh, but that is where the rubber meets the road. That's what happens um, if all of these things get so burdensome that Washington state farming cannot stay in the game, so to speak, that goes away, and we lose all of the good things that go with it. The great environmental protections, the food that's produced under great circumstances in a great climate, by the way, um, providing great jobs and high, uh, higher wages here for farming jobs than pretty much anywhere in the country and anywhere in the world, really. I, I just, I think people don't... And, and by the way, we're talking with Scott Dilley right now. He's on the phone with us, uh, with the Washington State Dairy Federation, but he's also been involved with the Washington Farm Bureau over the years and many other groups. And he's a, a labor policy expert uh, down in Olympia um, pertaining to farm labor. Uh, Scott, you know, people might say to us, well, what, you know, what's the problem with oversight? Why are you guys so worried about oversight? What do you have to hide? But that's not the issue here, right? There's so much more harm that could be caused by this. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, the the bill, um, yeah, yeah, this isn't really about oversight or lack of oversight. Um, we already have mechanisms, whether they're in federal regulation or elsewhere, to provide oversight. So that's not the issue. The issue really for us in, in a bill like this is you know, fees, uh, additional labor costs, things like that. And what we really need to begin to understand, not only in the ag community, but statewide and even nationwide, is you know, in terms of agricultural labor, um, we we need a good supply of you know a good source of of workers here in the country and you know, domestic workers to work. We need to be able to bring in uh, workers from from other countries as well. Uh, we need more workers in agriculture. Um, we need to be looking at new labor saving technology as well. Um, you know, so all of these different sources um, of of labor, we, we need to have them available. Uh, to growers, uh, regardless of commodity, regardless of whether uh, it's it's a seasonal crop or a year-round crop, we need to be looking at these things because our production costs are are going up, and the amount of money we're getting for commodities tends to be flat or going down. And so, 
you know, we, we need to be able to have these, you know, good, reasonable tools uh, in our toolbox so that we can get uh, crops, whether it's, it's, you know, milk or apples or whatever, uh, harvested when they need to be harvested. This is the big question for labor in Washington state and this issue, possibly more than others. It's kind of moving to the forefront here uh, of issues that need to be figured out. Uh, when we look at the future of farming here in Washington State, we're talking again with Scott Dilley, Washington State Dairy Federation, recognized uh, leading expert here in Washington State on farm labor issues. Um, Scott, I don't know if you, do you have time to stay with us? I want to talk a little bit more about the big picture here, what's going on with farming and labor and what needs to happen here in Washington State. Do you have time to, to sure, stay with sure, us over, yeah. the, over the news break? We do have more coming up here on KGMI News Talk 790. This is The Farming Show, brought to you by Farmers Equipment Company, McAvoy Oil, and Laurel Farm and Western Supply. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop. More with Scott Dilley. He's with us after the news as we continue. Farming in Washington State an incredible thing we can grow so many things here between all the different climates we have the different soils the great people we have the great access to markets geographic look there's so many great things about farming in washington state but can farming continue here in this state it's under great pressure right now on a variety of fronts various kinds of rules and regulations, certainly on the environmental front. We talk about that a lot on this program. Something that's uh, becoming an increasing burden, though, for farming is labor. How to find enough people to get the work done. Um, As demographics change in this country, as the culture changes in this country, um, what what does the future look like? And then on, on top of this, as as farmers really find them in, themselves in a crisis situation, in some cases having to let crops rot on the vine because they cannot find enough workers to uh, do a harvest. Um, on top of all that, we have an increasing activism in this state that has ulterior motives uh, for money and power and growth of organizations and unions uh, that, that's in the mix as well, making it that much more difficult, Threat- threatening lawsuits, threatening costs, threatening to, to smear people and, and, and force them out of business based on a, a political agenda. This is all coming into the mix on this issue of labor and what to do about keeping farming viable, sustainable here in Washington State. We've been talking with ag uh, uh, labor policy expert Scott Dilley. He's with the Washington State Dairy Federation. He's their communications director as well, and he's with us here on the program this morning. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this is the farming show, by the way, here on KGMI. Dylan Honkoop with you. Glad to have you here. So this bill on H-2A, you know, we've been documenting at Safe Family Farming where... For those not familiar with the program or familiar with me, that's where I work now, um, that I'm only a once-a-week radio show guy, not a daily radio show guy like I used to be. Uh, we've been really trying to expose what's going on with this bill, especially the false things that are being said in support of it. 
and in particular an activist group with uh, big dreams of growing their union, um, community to community development, and, and their, their connected union, Familias Unidas por la Justicia, uh, based out of Bellingham and active in Skagit and Whatcom counties. Um, they're, they've been down in Olympia, and we've been watching what they're saying, documenting it, and, and demonstrating it, and we actually have a, a, a web page right now at protectfarmworkers.org. You can find it, uh, Protect Farm Workers Now, um, on Facebook. We've shared uh, the link to the page there, and you can check out this uh, kind of rundown of, of the facts that these people uh, claimed. I guess they aren't facts. The claims these folks made down in Olympia, in, in not, not just on the side, not person to person. This is in official testimony before a state house committee telling things that are patently untrue. Scott, what's going on with this? Um, Right off the top, these people continue to insist that there is an verbatim Rosalinda Guillen of Community to Community Development. She said this in testimony to the Washington House of Representatives Labor and Workplace Standards Committee on January 22nd of this year. She said, quote, we believe there is no worker shortage that flies in the face of anybody else in the state talking about it. What's going on here with with these kinds of false claims? Well, that kind of claim is not the kind of thing that I've seen over the past, you know, 10 years or so, whether it's uh, orchards trying to find workers or dairies trying to find workers. uh, You know, we we have been faced and continue to face a labor shortage. Uh, It it is hard to find people uh, who um, are work, you know, who like, you know, want to work in in agriculture. And and there's, um, you know, when I look at the numbers uh, this year, uh, you know, the employment, well, last year, the employment security department certified, uh, 24,000, uh, H2A workers, uh, to come into Washington state this year. The number is about 30,000. Um, that is a documented labor shortage. Uh, you know, H2A workers, the, the employers who, um, you know, ag-, ag employers go through a process of, of recruiting uh, domestic workers, um, you know, interstate processes, things like that, local processes, and and those those numbers don't lie. I mean, those those are documented labor shortage numbers, and that's why the Employment Security Department and Department of Labor um, are allowing these you know foreign workers to come in because we do have a a you know, a, a shortage of uh, workers here in the U.S. who who want to work in agriculture. Just to be fair, though, and th- and this is is actually probably going a lot too you know this is going way too far to be fair but they would say well you're using the use of the h2a program um you're reading that backwards to use that to prove that there's a worker shortage you're supposed to prove that there's a worker shortage to be able to use the h2a program um if you listen to these activists, they claim that the H-2A program is essentially a get-rich-quick scheme for farmers to have captive, virtually um, indentured servant. These are the terms these activists use, indentured servant-type employees that they can make do whatever and abuse, and they're getting rich off of it. And this is all just about a big-money capitalist corporate industrial agriculture scheme, uh, and it's growing like wildfire in Washington State, and people are profiting insane amounts and, and and devastating families and hurting workers and all this. I mean that that these are the this is the picture that they've been trying to paint. Uh, and now you're saying, well, yeah, look, they're using the program so much that proves that there's a worker shortage. But it's so much more than that. And for people who un, 
understand how the program actually works, there's a whole lot more to it that actually does prove that there is a shortage. Well, exactly. There, you know, and it's not that the H-2A program is perfect. Um, it is an expensive program. Uh, it is something that has a lot of regulations tied to it. Um, and I remember talking to farmers who would rather uh, be able to go back to the, you know, to the days, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where there was a good, especially for, you know, for seasonal work, a good cycle of, of migrant workers who uh, would, you know, come through and, and, and work in these jobs. But that, that cycle um, hasn't been working for the past couple decades. And, and so that is why growers have had to turn to the H-2A program. They just couldn't find workers like uh, they could, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And so the H-2A program, even though it is expensive, it's cumbersome, and, you know, it's, it, it's the only option that growers have because it's the only option that the federal government has allowed. What do you say to people who say, well, it's just for, for farmers to get rich, essentially? It's a way for them to get workers that they can pay less and they can abuse and all this kind of stuff I, and avoid the, hiring workers who actually live here. Well, the workers in the H-2A program um, are, you know, the, the minimum wage for those workers is actually higher than the state minimum wage. And workers who, the domestic workers who work um, alongside those H-2A workers get all of the guarantees of the H-2A contract. So they get those higher wages. They get those additional benefits. So this is actually a program that ends up being more expensive for growers, but they have to incur those expenses in order to find workers to actually you know, show up and, and pick fruit um, and harvest crops. This gets right to one of the false claims that was made down there in Olympia and the, uh, the testimony to the same committee, different person also connected with these uh, community to community development activists, um, Andrea Schmidt, uh, an attorney, a lawyer with uh, Columbia Legal Services, uh, another activist organization connected to community community. She made the statement, and again, I'm quoting here, she said, H-2A employers, a.k.a. farms that use people and the guest workers in the H-2A program. She says H-2A employers are incentivized to reject local workers. It's exactly the opposite from what you're explaining from what we all know about the program. Well, right. The The way the program works is domestic workers um, for the first half of that H-2A contract, if, if an employer um, has a domestic worker who's qualified, who walks in and wants that job, the employer needs to give that job to the domestic worker. So there isn't this idea that you're going to turn away domestic workers. Um, the, the whole program is set up to actually protect domestic workers. So this claim that you're somehow not providing jobs to people who are here, just it, it doesn't make sense because that's not the way the system actually works. That's not the way the regulations are written. And they've made more false claims around that with Ramon Torres um, uh, with the Familias Unidas por la Justicia um, Farm Worker Union um, and connected with community to community development, also testifying down there. He said, quote, this program has been growing and displacing local workers. Um, if you understand the regulations, you know that's not, again, what, what you just described, Scott. It's not doable, not possible. He also said, this is also Ramon Torres saying, quote, uh, this program is being used against domestic workers. 
I, I just don't know how these people can make these claims that fly in the face of the facts. Yeah, it's, um, and I, I, I understand, um, that, you know, I, I, I understand the words, I understand the perspective. Um, but again, I, I don't know where, like in this case this year, uh, if we, you know, we, we've got a figure of about 30,000 H2A workers. If we didn't have those workers, where would 30,000 additional people come from? And I, I'm hard pressed to come up with an answer for that. Um, I, I don't know what other part of the country where, you know, where we could get 30,000 people to come to Washington. So, uh, uh, so to me, um, this isn't something that is against domestic workers. I, I, I don't know where those workers would come from. So the answer by the growers is to have to turn to this you know, federal guest worker program because nobody can find this many workers to come in and do this work. I know that community to community development was trying to make this same argument several years ago. Uh, this is when this all came up with Sakuma Brothers Farm down in in Skagit County, and so many false statements were made, false information was spread by those activist groups. And one of the things was again that there's no worker shortage. There's enough workers right here. They they don't need to be bringing workers in from anywhere else. They're just trying to basically give those people the shaft. Um, and and to prove that, they even apparently came up with at one point. In that whole debacle with uh, Sakuma Brothers Farms um, came up with a, a, a list of all these workers that they said were available. Turned out almost all of the people on the list were Western Washington University students who were either not qualified to do the job, um, were not available to do the job because they were just students. They either didn't have the time or were gone by summertime when they would have actually <laughs> needed to do the work and they went home to mom and dad's house, who knows where, or uh, were simply just not interested in doing the work, period. But it all signed this sheet because of the activist organizing around Western Washington University in Bellingham um, to, to try to bring justice to farm workers and this, this false narrative that had been created by these activist groups it's just it's i don't know i kind of wonder if this is a whole house of cards that they've created that's going to to come crumbling down sooner rather than later because there are so many false things that all of all of their arguments are based on it just doesn't carry water again talking with scott dilly right now with uh, washington state dairy federation uh he's a an ag policy uh, ag labor policy expert here in washington state he's been involved with government affairs down in olympia for a long time what do you see happening with all this Scott, how, how, do, how do we get this figured out? Because obviously these folks have ulterior motives. They want to see something else happen. But what they're doing, whether they intend it to or not, is ultimately going to hurt those workers, is going to take away those opportunities that they have coming from Mexico or from wherever else if it's a guest worker. And ultimately, they're going to take away opportunities from any domestic workers that do remain around here because farming is just not going to be doable here in Washington State if, if these folks get their way. Yeah, it's and I, I so I think the the best path forward is to again be able to figure out what it is we need for the ag workforce, and that's going to include domestic workers. It's going to include foreign workers, and it's going to include you know changes in technology and 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 other you know uh, labor you know saving time saving practices and and whatnot just to make operations more efficient. And um, really, the the best path forward is to be able to. 
talk with people instead of trying to pick winners and losers instead of saying uh we need domestic workers and not foreign workers or foreign workers and not domestic workers it's going to take everybody we need workers right and and so from the overall standpoint um, you know, just looking at the ag labor situation, we need people to show up. We need people to um, to to work at, um, at you know on on farms, and those are you know very valuable employees. Um, so whether they come from another country or right down the street or a different state or a different region of our state, um, we need you know we're in sort of an all hands on deck um, scenario, and we need to be looking at all of those different possibilities. Um, because especially during harvest and really year round, um, you know, there are jobs available and there are tasks to be done. And, uh, we need to, all of us, you know, kind of step up to the plate and go, what can be done? How can we work together to, you know, see what the needs are and how do we fill those needs? Ultimately though, I mean, we're hearing so many bad things. We're hearing all these horror stories about the H2A program, Again, as you're saying, this should be part of the solution here. We should have a good program. It should be protective of workers. If there are protections that need to be added, let's talk about it. But let's not lie about it. Let's not make this false narrative. And we're hearing all these terrible things, this false story about how terrible it is. When you find out what's really going on, these workers that are coming here, a lot of them are coming from Mexico, but they can come from other parts of the world, too, as guest workers in that, that H-2A program. These folks are really stoked to have the opportunity to do it. They're making a lot of money. In fact, they're making more money in a few months' time than they would be making in a couple of years down in in Mexico, for instance, and other parts of the country, too, where the the minimum wage is as low or lower than it is in Mexico. In Mexico, something like $11 a day these people would be making for similar work. And, and they're here making, you know, quite a bit more than that. $20 an hour for some people who are, you know, fast workers or doing piece rate kind of stuff. Some people even more than that. Um, what we should be talking about is the great stories of this actually helping people and helping families in devastated countries that are dealing with so many problems, being able to lift themselves out of poverty via a program like this. This is this is not a humanitarian crisis. This is a humanitarian, uh, really, miracle for some people in communities. Yeah, I'm reminded of the Facebook page of some of the, domestic, or the uh, Jamaican workers who work on a farm over in eastern Washington. They're H-2A workers, and um, what they're able to do is is uh, come here and work and then give back to their communities and in in their home country and um and you know take on you know some good humanitarian causes uh there so um it it, it's a great um opportunity for for folks um you know really in, in other countries to be able to come to america to um get some work experience here to earn a lot more money here than than they would in their home countries so um and the good can come from that um it's it's not like there's a shortage of of jobs to be done right mm-hmm. we we have we have so many jobs in agriculture that need to be done and yet we can't find the workers here to do that and so um you know that that's what i'm hearing from growers is we just need more workers whether they're like i said from you know down the street or or from half a world away uh we have opportunities here for everyone. And, um, and that's what I, 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 I well, really see is 
ag, you know, ag can, ag is a good avenue for, um, you know, for, for these kinds of opportunities. If somebody like Rosalinda Guillen with Community to Community is trying to convince me that there is no worker shortage and that farmers are bringing in this more, these more expensive workers, this more cumbersome program, more uh, extensive oversight of all of their operations because somehow it's a cash grab or get rich quick scheme. I, from what I know uh, from real life on farms and what's going on right now, and farmers I know who see this as an absolute last resort and hope, you know, farmers who aren't using this program hope that they never have to. Um, but, you know, also wanted as an option in case they run into that situation. I, I just have to say these arguments uh, about and against this program are, are just they're flat crazy. And, and I don't know what else to make of it other than, you know, looking at the ulterior <laughs> motives that these groups have. And, you know, it's uh, and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, things like immigration reform on the federal level. And, you know, I, I think a lot of us, uh, whether we're in agriculture or other industries, would love to see some kind of, of immigration reform happen so that uh, these types of, of programs, H2A, uh, H2B, H1B, you know, all of the, these visa programs, we do need some reforms uh, in, in certain senses. They are too cumbersome. Um, in, in other ways, um, perhaps there are ways of providing some more flexibility uh, for workers to, to work for other employers, uh, maybe a longer visa term, uh, you know, all of these things. But those are things that, that Congress needs to deal with. And um, I think one thing that, that I'm, I'm a little um, you know, concerned about is that uh, in, in recent years, we've heard a lot more about states trying to um, whether it's it's an H two A bill here in Washington or other states, um, you know, trying to take on different components of of the immigration system, either pro or con, and really we need to get back to asking Congress uh, to step in and and reform those systems so that they work for you know both employers and workers. Scott Dilley, communications director, labor policy expert with the Washington Dairy Federation. Thanks for your time. Thanks for chatting with us on the program. And even more importantly than that, thanks for all the work that you do in Olympia and around the state on these issues, um, working toward uh, uh, maintaining a future for farming here in the state. We really appreciate it. Happy to do it.